Welcome to The Pursuit of Purpose, a podcast made possible by Skylife Success, a SkyPass group company. Join Krish Dunham, an author and speaker whose messaging has been described as the junction where God's ability and man's availability meet hope's accessibility. Greetings, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Pursuit of Purpose. This is Chris Dunham at the end of a week in Dallas, Texas. Thank you for sojourning with us on this journey through these brief missives that we have loosely called a podcast. I try to stay away from the headlines and all of the things that cause the rise out of people and instead give commentaries that are based on social devaluation, corruption, the basic numbing of the senses, and the jettisoning of common sense. Today I'm going to read excerpts from an article I wrote called The Collective Corruption of a Country's Conscience. The Collective Corruption of a Country's Conscience. Maybe intersperse it with some of my own diatribes here and there. And hopefully as you head into the weekend, you will ask yourself where you are, wherever you are in the world. Now, when I talk about a country here, I'm talking about every country around the world. How have we arrived at this point when we can look out of our windows and see absolute mayhem and madness? When we can look at the ones that govern us and ask ourselves if there's any common sense that goes into the laws and the regulations that they posit? Is there any way that functional human beings can look at simple morals, a moral law and a moral lawgiver and ask ourselves, How have we come away from this basic conscience that sits on our shoulder and can educate us on right and wrong at a very infant stage to this point where the debate is no longer about good and evil, but it is about the definitions that we ascribe to good and evil and good definitions ascribed to good are actually considered evil. So how do we dissect this? How do we digest it? Daniel Webster said that if we as a nation violated the principles of eternal ethics and recklessly abandoned the political constitution that upholds us, no man can tell of the sudden catastrophe that would overwhelm us and bury all our glory in profound obscurity. Violate the principles of eternal ethics, trifle on moral injunction, and recklessly destroy the political constitution. Here in the West, where I live in the United States of America, I can say unequivocally that we have violated all three. The eternal conscience, uh, the eternal moral law that comes from a moral lawgiver was abandoned a long time ago. In the early 70s, on the heels of Woodstock, we came into what was called the free love and the free expression movement, where boundaries were jettisoned. The whole concept of morality being ascribed in some kind of way to purity and virginity is now considered archaic. There is no way you can talk about the concept of saving yourself for that which God intended you to be united with in terms of matrimony. People say that that is so archaic that even asking that question in good, well-meaning, moral enclaves is considered prejudicial because just about every one of those people has ventured down that path. Call me old-fashioned at the age of 60, but I'm guessing that I still subscribe to that and I'm grateful that when we got married, 
we knew nothing else other than what each other would bring to the situation. This added a level of comfort that when we arrived in that transgressed state of an extended family and we felt the fallout in terms of culture, we clung to each other because we had no other frame of reference other than the frame of reference of each other. The old adage that a man and a woman that will leave and cleave is not something that is just designed to give you that high in terms of what God expects, but there are principles that actually prevent you from wallowing down that path of idolatry and self-destruction. Think about it. We have violated the principles of eternal ethics. We have recklessly abandoned the political constitution. Now, I know politics is a touchy subject and many people struggle with commentaries on it. It is not about which side of the political aisle you are. It is abandoning the political constitution that upholds us. Now people use the Constitution and call it a living, breathing document that it was articulated and written by people who were out of touch. So somehow a progressive society can create regressive ideologies by saying those that allowed us to come together in the first place did not know what they were talking about. This goes back to that old adage of throwing the baby out with the bathwater. We have now marginalized ourselves in every aspect of the predictions that Daniel Webster gave. He also said that when we reject these moral boundaries, when we abandon these eternal principles, when we jettison the constitution that upholds us, no man can say of the sudden catastrophe. And uh, I think it is sudden in the sense that Today, a lot of people still say, for example, in America, God bless America, wherever you are in the world. I tell people no longer maybe we should pray for God bless America, but maybe we should say God save America. Because if you look back over the last 200 years, maybe his blessing has already been here. And as Adrian Rogers says, the, the gravest reality is when God asks for his blessing back. We have now marginalized ourselves in every aspect of those predictions and are wholly held hostage to a debauched definition and dereliction. What does that mean? Our hostage taking began when people said, you don't seem to understand that society evolves. The constitution cannot be a rigid document. It has to evolve. Original doctrines were written at a time and place when they mattered, but society evolves. Well, why don't we then look at the same document and the hell that was rained on in terms of sulfur from the skies at Sodom and Gomorrah? Why don't we look? Well, they're considered fairy tales now. So suddenly when you look at the moral attributes of anything that is holy, we say we have evolved. When we look at the stories that frame those moral attributes, we call them a fairy tale. And as a result, we are debauched because our definition and dereliction now stems from our feet being firmly planted in midair. We have devolved into behavior that would make the above-mentioned Sodom and Gomorrah blush from abandoning the moral law to the jettisoning of righteous decrees about everything as simple as identity, togetherness, and decency. One of the great debates that have taken place in recent times uh, that was actually shown out on national and international TV at the confirmation hearings of a Supreme Court justice nominee. 
The question simply asked was, can you define a woman? Now, here's a woman who was put on that court as a result of a man saying, my job, my first act of priority, if there is a vacancy that opens up on the nation's highest court, I will nominate a woman of color, thus breaking the barrier of a couple of firsts. The whole bent was that he would nominate a woman of color. But today we can ask people questions about womanhood. The decree of sexual identity. When she was asked, can you define a woman? She said, I'm not a biologist. Someone else was asked that question when they were debating women's rights in a different issue. And they said, anybody can identify. Well, if the question was that the very reason she was selected to the position of being a woman of color and anybody can identify with anything, why then did they just not put a man who identified as a woman and pretended to be a person of color in that place? Because obviously they have their own nomenclature and they have their own protection. You see how silly the argument gets when we begin to jettison these decrees? Marital togetherness. This is now frowned upon. I remember some years ago, I was speaking for an organization up in the Pacific Northwest, and I talked about marriage. And I talked about how the sanctity of marriage is now so frivolous and taken so lightly. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I know people who are divorced. I know people who found love the second time around. I understand all of those concepts. But the rapidity in which we say to ourselves that togetherness is not required for anything other than convenience, which means if I can cohabitate with you and have all the privileges of marriage without actually calling myself married, why do you think that that label matters? This is where fundamental decency comes into picture. Not everything that is legal is moral, and not everything that is moral can be either defined by legality or illegality. That's behavior. This behavior is not where evolved society is expected to be at the advent of the Industrial Revolution. Now, what developed democracies envision when we cheered man walking on the moon while conquering unknown frontiers? Think about it. On the one side, we have celebrated the identity of men and women in what they have done. Do you for a second think that in the years 1913 to 1916, somewhere in there, when Madame Curie won both the Nobel Prize for Chemistry and Physics, the thought on her mind was the fact that I don't want to be marginalized as a woman, I don't want to be marginalized as a scientist? No, it was an award given for exemplary accomplishment and in inventions and innovations in certain fields of study. But what we are now calling the narrowest of narrow is being reinvented to being the widest of wide. This behavior is not where we expect it to be. Developed democracies did not expect that the fights of the, 20, of the year 2022 would, would actually be around biology. On one side, we have said the science is settled. The science is settled that the planet is growing warmer, the ice caps are melting, and we're all going to be underwater. The science is settled on the fact that we have to abandon fossil fuels. The science is settled on the fact that electricity grids are overtapped. We have to abandon nuclear power for fear of what it will do. And as a result, man has to now eradicate the snow, the coal-fired power plants and go back to wind and solar. The science is settled on all of that. But then if you look at the country like China, who's building, I think, a coal plant every week, how they're building their economy, we are now slaves to China in terms of the fact that they own just about everything that you and I would call a haven. 
So on the one side, we sit wishing for a utopian world, and on the other side is evolving a different kind of behavior. Now remember this, if you don't know what China is today, go back in yesteryear and see how China got here. Look at the revolutions of the Boxer Rebellion place. Ask yourself what Mao Zedong was all about. What was his ideology? What was his cause celeb? How he came up short when he starved all of his people in that famine. But today they have achieved the goals of Mao and did it in a little different way. It was not all dire and dark. They have done it with smoke and mirrors and something that is shiny and glitzy. The same place that a virus came out that crippled the world is a place that apparently had no more deaths since when they began in the initial days. Somehow the country where it all originated, where the compact and density of people is higher than ever before, succumbed lost less people to this dreaded virus than the rest of the world. This is all smoke and mirrors, and if you're not paying attention, you are actually seeing for yourself this corruptive, corrupt, the collective corruption. But the corruption is at the conscience level. Folks, before we get to behavior, we have got to get to the institutions within that offer that behavior is an output. What are the ideas that shape you, the thoughts that begin to give you your value system, that become the habits you exhibit, that forms the behavior that you showcase and it re reveals the character that ultimately will take you to your destiny. This collective degradation of the human race is far more virulent than that little red ball that somehow found its way into out of totalitarianism to bring a free populace into lockdown and free markets into lockup. This mayhem caused by this mischief was predicted by Lecky in his seminal work, The History of European Morals, from Augustus to Charlemagne. He pointed out many moons ago that the devaluation of objective morality would only be possible by changing definitions that preceded behavior. So we sit on the cusp of Huxley's brave new world, no longer afraid of being controlled, but instead too amused to care. Our laws are based on anticipation where we want the subjectivity of our feelings to replace the objectivity of facts. We are relegating entire people groups to fear what might happen to their feelings. Think about it. Everything is based on anticipatory grief. Someone wisely pointed out, be careful of what you say or don't say today because of the fear of being canceled. 10 years from now, you're the group that will find yourself marginalized and eradicated, standing on the sidelines, applauding for a world that you never agreed to begin with because you participated in this more in a spectatorial way than a participatory way. Churchill's oratory asking England to fight while battle beleaguered is considered insensitive today because the soldiers are not asked about their feelings. Alexander the Great would have had, had sat astride on his horse and looked at the Hellenistic achievements of Greece and then decided to draw a line of sensitivity and hope that others would understand. No, at the age of 24, he conquered the known world and he says, my goal was not just acquiring land or overpowering people militarily. It was because I had a deep, desperate desire for them to know the brilliance of the philosophical origins of Greek and its Hellenistic beauty. The desire to spread the philosophy of a civilized people is what made Alexander's legend so big. But today you will call that absurd, saying that how can he not look at the feelings of others? The sheer absurdity of that imagination that Alexander would have had to say, hey, you know, I wonder how people would think north of Macedonia. Maybe I don't want to get their feelings hurt. But yet here we are, having lost our collective conscience to the corruption of civilized thinking. In the name of love, we continue to leap into the abyss of the absurd.
For something to be altered, everything needs to be redefined. This approach leaves nothing to chance and everyone feels validated. Well, good for you. A hole three feet deep is still a hole and a bird in a tree is still a bird in a tree. But the fact that gaps in the ground might object to removing the dirt and making them whole is no longer a parody or a comedy, but reality. General Patton and Douglas MacArthur are now considered bullies and Saddam Hussein would be forgiven because we did not understand his true despotic feelings. Maybe they came because when he was a child, they took away his stick during the playtime. Entire nations reeling from the advent of insanity as the absolutes of excellence are traded for the abstracts. Think about it. Everywhere in the world, we are seeing this huge chasm form where common sense is being eradicated. Unfortunately, there is no waking up from this nightmare as you and I are indeed awake. In fact, maybe our goal is hoping for sleep to come so we can escape this insanity. The only hope is to return to what Webster called eternal ethics. The rules were proper before we began and will be right after we depart. The need of the hour is to differentiate right from wrong. We need to know that the law of God is there so that man doesn't pretend to be God. Because in the final analysis, this pretense is not only sinful, but downright dangerous and eventually tragic. Unfettered and unchecked, this collective degradation will bring us to the point where the difference between good and evil is so blurred that children will want to teach parents and students will have more power than the teachers. As far away from reality as we might feel in reading these penned words or spoken words, a sense of helplessness already prevails as we realize these predictions are accurate and many have come to pass. The future, if left unchecked, will have this abstraction as the absolutes that will find its way into legality will be called into question. Morality that gives birth to discipline will be replaced by misery delivered out of disruption. So pay attention to what you accept and acknowledge even though you disagree because you may be closer to approving it and applauding because of a degree. A decree. Until next time, this is your humble host, Chris Dunham. Hopefully you enjoyed the narrative. Good luck. God bless. And that concludes another episode of The Pursuit of Purpose with Krish Dunham brought to you by Skylife Success. Please subscribe, rate, and visit us on the web at krishdunham.com and skylifesuccess.com where you can find our social media links and access to additional resources. Till next time, happy learning and happy living.